please take your Bibles and open to Luke chapter 11, and we're going to look at the prayer that Jesus just taught his disciples to pray, even though we're not going to spend a lot of time there. We're going to look at several other places in the New Testament. Um, but this morning, we're continuing our sermon series called Foundations of Faith. And this morning, my sermon title is Teach Us to Pray Like Jesus. Um, what we've been doing is we've been looking at um, spiritual habits or spiritual disciplines that we see particularly in the life of Jesus, and these spiritual habits or disciplines are the means by which we engage in the same activities Jesus engaged in so that we can grow spiritually. So spiritual disciplines are those practices found in Scripture that promote spiritual growth among believers in the gospel of Jesus. That's what Donald Whitney, how Donald Whitney defines them. Now, it's crucial, I've said this every week, it's crucial for us to remember that spiritual disciplines aren't simply a checklist that we do out of duty, and it's just something that we can say when we came to church that we read our Bible and we prayed. No, the great goal of spiritual disciplines is to be more like Jesus, who is the foundation of our faith, the chief cornerstone, the head of the body, and we are to grow in the grace and knowledge of Him. And so the point is to delight ourselves in Jesus, who lovingly draws near to His people as we draw near to him. So that's what we're going to look at, that we want to not only trust in the death that Jesus died for us in the gospel, but we want to live like he lived. And so if Jesus lived a self-sacrificing, spirit-filled, father-glorifying life, he showed us by his living how we are to do that. And so we want to do what Jesus has done. So last week we looked at the fact that Jesus saturated his life with God's word. That everywhere you turn, Jesus is the walking embodiment of God's word and the fulfillment of all of God's promises. And today, we're going to look at the fact that Jesus prayed. And he prayed like no one else, living in fellowship with the Father. So, we just read that text from Matthew, and so I'll read it again from Luke. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, this is Luke 11, verses 1 through 4, says, And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. I'm going to end in Luke 11, but I want to get us to Luke 11 first. Because I, you need to understand that our goal, or the thesis of this whole sermon series, is for us to do live as Jesus lived. So, the first thing I want to say to you this morning is that Jesus prayed as the regular habit of his life. Jesus prayed as the regular habit of his life. So let's begin by thinking about habits. I've used that word frequently. Now, a habit, according to... A, psych a psychologist journal, a habit is an acquired behavior pattern, an acquired behavior pattern regularly followed until it has become almost involuntary. That you do it so frequently and so regularly that you do not even think about it anymore. Like driving your car, things like that, where you can do them almost without thinking. Now, Habits are things that are so much a part of our life, we don't even need to think about them. And all of us have them. All of us have them, good ones and bad ones. Now, I won't mention any of the bad ones, 
But here are some good ones. In case you want to know what are some good habits, these are really good ones. So parents, if you want to, here's a little parenting tip for you. This is free stuff. Brushing your teeth twice a day. It's a good habit. Bathing every day. That's a good habit. Eating breakfast. Washing your hands regularly. Drinking lots of water. Not soda. Get that in there for my children. Drinking lots of water. Physical activities and exercise. Reading to learn and grow every day. Spending time with family and with friends. Those are all great habits. Um, staying positive. That is a discipline that all of us must cultivate. That you have to stay positive. That's a habit. That's a discipline that you need to have in your life. Getting eight hours of sleep. And I just read this week, this is free as well. I just read this week that getting enough sleep can lengthen your life by up to nine years. So just remember that, ladies. When your husband is fast asleep in his chair, he's trying to bless you with nine more years of marital bliss. It's a habit. It's a habit. You don't even have to think about it, okay? Now, some people wonder, well, how long does it take to establish a habit? How long, is that, how long does it take? Well, the answer actually isn't set. Nobody really knows how long it takes to set a habit. It has everything to do with the perceived reward of the habit. So like going to the gym or sitting on the couch. One is much easier than the other. And one habit is much easier to develop than the other. Some of you, it's very easy to sit on the couch and do nothing. It's very hard to get up and go to the gym. But if you receive one as being very beneficial to your health and longevity, you might engage in it even though it's more difficult. So that's what it is. And my point here is that Jesus expects us to make prayer a part of our daily habits and lives just like he did. Spending time in prayer was as habitual for Jesus as eating breakfast, as going to the synagogue, as brushing your teeth as reading, as doing all of those other things, prayer should be the part of just the normal habits and routines of our lives. Now listen to what Jesus says in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It says this in Mark 1. It says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Now the verb tense, the imperfect tense of the verb praying there indicates that this was an ongoing state of affairs for Jesus. This was the routine and regular habit of his life. This wasn't a one-time event. He did it regularly and ongoingly. And by the way, the Gospels are filled with examples of Jesus' habit of prayer. And my question to you this morning is, have you learned to set aside time day by day to pray like Jesus? Do you have an intentional time for you to spend in fellowship with Him as your daily habit? If you don't know how to do that, spend, the time, spend time. Make that a habit. Mark it off on your calendar. Put a reminder on your phone. Use your commute to work. Use your lunch break. Use your 10-minute break at work. Sit down. Close your eyes. I don't care if they're open or not. But spend time with Jesus. This was part of His regular habit. So that's part number one. Number two, again... You need to take note as you read through your Gospels is that Jesus also prayed before and after public ministry. He would not only draw aside the desolate places to pray, but let me just give you two examples from the Gospels of him praying also before and after his public ministry. The first is from Luke 5. It says there, while Jesus was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. All right, there's a problem. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will... 
you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy helped him, uh, left him. It's a miracle. And he charged him to tell no one, but to go show himself to the priest to make an offering for his cleansing, as Moses commanded you as a proof for them. And it says, but now even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him to be healed of their infirmities. So great crowds come to Jesus. They want to be with him because he's healing lepers and, and, and cleansing those that are ill and bringing healing to them. And listen to what Luke adds, verse 16. But Jesus would withdraw to desolate places and pray. He's doing public ministry, and Luke doesn't want you to think that's all Jesus is doing. No, 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 no. He leaves the crowds and leaves the ministry to go to desolate places again by himself to pray. And then Matthew adds this. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. So Jesus is with his disciples. He dismisses them. He dismisses the crowds. And it says this. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Before and after public ministry. Do you see a pattern emerging? Now listen, we made a connection a week, ago, a week or two ago in my sermon on the importance of being filled with God's Spirit and being filled with God's Word. That to be filled with one is to be filled with the other. And we need to make a connection here of being filled with God's Spirit and being empowered for ministry, being empowered for ministry um, as we pray. Jesus prayed, this is the point, Jesus prayed, Jesus prayed showing us, as an, show, giving us an example of the strength that we need in order to accomplish ministry. Jesus is showing us by his life how, are we, how we are to live a spirit-filled, God-glorifying, self-sacrificing life. So Jesus, as our example, he goes to spend time with the Father so that he will be able to pour himself out for the good of others. That's his normal pattern. He goes and spends time with the Father to be filled up so that he can pour himself out on others. Now, the reason many of us see so little spiritual life and vigor and energy and passion for ministry, the reason we are tempted to be burned out is because we are trying to serve Jesus and others on an empty tank. We're not doing any soul care ourselves. We don't see Jesus just simply doing public ministry and never going to spend time alone with the Father to be filled back up. What we need to understand is that prayer is the fuel station for our souls. That's where we put gas in the tank for us to be able to accomplish ministry. And by the way, the New Testament is so consistent on this point. If you read through especially Acts, every time it says someone is filled with the Spirit... They had just come out of a prayer meeting, and then they immediately go and serve others for the glory of Jesus. So that's what it means to be filled with the Spirit, to be filled with prayer, to be filled with um, what you need to do ministry. So Jesus prayed before and after all ministry. Third, Jesus prayed all night before naming his disciples. This is, you see this in Jesus' life. It says in Luke 6, if you were to turn over just a, if you were to turn back just a few pages to Luke chapter 6, turn back there, you're in Luke 11, just go back to Luke 6, and look at verse 12. It says here, this is at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, 
It says, in these days, Luke 6, 12, in these days he went out to the mountain to pray. We've seen this has been a habit. He says, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve whom he named apostles. So think about this. Besides Jesus' regular habit of praying in the morning and praying in the evening and praying to be prepared for ministry, Jesus here commits to a season of prayer before a critical life and ministry decision. He intentionally goes to pray for an entire night for those who would be his disciples. Prayer is so critical in his heart and mind and for his fellowship with the Father and his commitment to doing God's will that he sets sets aside an entire night to pray for God's will and wisdom. Now, what I want to say here is that when Jesus does this, Jesus is seeking to align his choices of disciples with the Father's plan. That's Jesus' desire. For Jesus, that might have been easy. It might have been. But for us, that is very difficult. It is very difficult for us to align our decisions with God's will. Now, remember those, I want to remind you here, remember those Jesus chose. He didn't choose the elite. He didn't choose the rich. He didn't choose the famous. He didn't choose the most gifted. No, after a night of prayer... He chose uneducated fishermen and tax collectors. And through Jesus' power, they turned the world upside down. Now, I want to say that this is what makes prayer difficult for us. Jesus is telling us here, by his choices, that there are some instances and situations and circumstances in our life When prayer is more important than sleep. Have you been there? Have you encountered that crossroads in your own life? Where prayer, being alone with Jesus, desperate to hear his word, desperate to follow his will, that's more important than going to bed. Now some items in our lives require extended seasons of prayer. So that we can make sure that our decisions are in alignment with God's word. And that our that we make and make to make sure that we make decisions not on the perceived wisdom of the world, but by relying on God's wisdom. I mean, if I was back then picking disciples, I don't know if I would have picked who those whom Jesus picked. But that shows you that God's wisdom is greater than our wisdom. That shows you that God's plan is greater than our plans. And so I just want to say this to our lives. Some of us need to battle with this. We need to get alone and pray with Jesus. Am I supposed to sell all of my things and move to the mission field? Am I supposed to take a huge risk and go into this ministry and quit my full-time job? Am I supposed to take on this and honor Christ with my life? Now, the world would say that all of those things are foolish and stupid. Those aren't good for the bottom line. Those aren't good for, the, those aren't good for my bank account. That's not good for my, state, my status among my friends and my neighbors. And Jesus might say, that's the best decision you'll ever make. But it's not going to come unless you go spend time alone with Jesus. So Jesus prayed, took an entire night before naming his disciples. It must have been important. Number four, 
Notice that also, though, Jesus prayed for his disciples to persevere. If you were to flip over a few more pages in Luke to Luke 22, just keep flipping over there. Go to Luke 22. Luke 22, verses 31 and 32. This is the night Jesus is going to be betrayed, his last night on earth. And Jesus says to Peter in chapter 22, verse 31, he says, Simon, Simon. This is after Peter says, Jesus, if nobody deny, if everybody else denies you, I would never deny you. And this is what Jesus says. He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Think about this. Jesus prayed for the faith and perseverance of his disciples. He cared enough about their spiritual and their eternal well-being that he prayed for them. He knew, by the way, what Peter was going to do. He just told them that it was written, they will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. All of you will leave me and deny me. Peter, oh no, I would never do that, Jesus. And Jesus said, yes, you will. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. He knew what Peter was going to do. He knew the danger of Peter falling into temptation, into the temptation to despair and to lose hope and to ultimately lose faith and walk away from Jesus. So what does Jesus do? He prays for Peter's faith not to fail. And I'll just remind you, or just ask you, like Jesus, have you ever stayed up praying for others? Has the Lord ever awakened you in the night with someone on your heart and mind? Have you seen a dear brother or sister slipping away in sin and had your heart so moved and so burdened that you said, the only thing I can do right now is get up and pray? As a parent, have you found yourself praying like this for your own children and grandchildren? Have you ever intentionally interceded for the faith of a brother or sister or for the salvation of a friend or loved one. I've heard it said that we do not talk to our family or friends about Jesus because we do not talk to Jesus about them. Because their names and hearts aren't in our lives to the point that we, that's who we're talking to Jesus about. Lord Jesus, may their faith not fail. Lord Jesus, may they come to know you. Who is the struggling saint on your heart this morning? Who is the person that you are close to that is far from God? Are you praying for them? Because Jesus would tell us that is important. Number five, Jesus also prayed right here for his, before his arrest, trial, and crucifixion. The story's here in Luke, but I'm going to read it to you from Matthew 26. This is right after he says this to Peter. It says, Then Jesus went out to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful even unto death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, So you could not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said, Sleep and take your rest later, 
The hour is at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. How does Jesus spend his last night on earth? The answer is in prayer. In fellowship, in unceasing fellowship with the Father. And my point to you is that this is how we are to live and this is how we are to die in the presence of God. Notice the common theme in all of these prayers we've seen from Jesus. He has shown us over and over again His unrelenting commitment to the Father's will. Jesus prays that his, Jesus, Jesus prays to align His heart, mind, and soul with the fulfilling of God's purposes. And that is what prayer is for. It changes us. It changes our perspective. It changes our affections. It changes our desires. As we pray, not my will, but your will be done. And that's where I want to end. I want you to notice finally on our text from Luke 4 that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. I would joke and say all of this has been introduction to right now. Now I'm about to start my sermon. As it's time for us to get ready to go home. But I'm going to actually save this text to preach it in a few weeks when I return. But I want to point out a few things. Look back at Luke 4. It says, now Jesus was, Luke 11, Luke 11, 1 through 4. It says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. Notice, this is the habit. He, everywhere he goes, he's praying. Jesus is praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. I want you to know that I find it interesting as I conclude this morning. I find it interesting and I find it telling that the only thing the disciples ever asked Jesus to teach them that's recorded for us in the Gospels is to pray. Jesus, we don't have a record of them asking Jesus to teach them how to heal the sick, how to raise the dead, how to preach a good sermon. Maybe I need to ask him how to do that. We don't have them asking Jesus any of those questions. The only question that they ask Jesus of teaching them is to pray. Now, I would argue this. As they walk with Jesus day by day, seeing him pray, listening to him pray, watching his daily habits of prayer, watching his commitment to prayer, seeing all of that, they ask him, Jesus, teach us how to do that. Teach us that. And I would say that they never would have asked him if they didn't see this as one of the most important habits of his life and ministry. Jesus' prayers, I would argue this too, the way Jesus prayed, the way He walked with the Father, the way He communed with the Father and fellowshiped with Him day by day is one of the greatest evidences that He really is the Son of God. That no man prayed like this. No man walked with Jesus like this. No man walked with the Father like this. And I would just say, what good would Jesus' teaching on prayer be if His life did not model it day by day? But the fact is, Jesus did model prayer for us, and he taught his disciples to follow his example. In fact, prayer, and this is, this is one of the reasons I'm glad Henry picked the last song we sang, Before the Throne of God Above. 
you need to know this, that in fact, prayer is what Jesus is continuing to do right now. Jesus right now is at the right hand of the Father interceding for His people. He is praying right now. It is still His habit. It is still His daily routine. It, conti- he, it continues to demonstrate His relationship to the Father as His beloved Son and His relationship to us as our Savior. So I want to end by saying, may we all learn to pray like Jesus. And the only way to make prayer a habit is to do it so frequently, so intentionally, and so automatically that it just comes out of you. Is your first thought when you wake up in the morning, Lord Jesus, I am yours. When the world squeezes you, is the first thing that comes out of you not anger or vitriol or malice or whatever, but is it, Lord Jesus, I need you right now. Does that come out of you? And the only way to make it a habit is to be intentional about it. And I will tell you that the more you pray, the more you will pray. And when you can't pray, Jesus himself is praying for you right now. And you are never more like Jesus than when you are praying and spending time with him for the good of others and the glory of God. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that you would take this simple message about Jesus who is our example. And Father, I pray that we would make prayer the regular habit of our lives. That it would saturate our minds and hearts, and that we would walk in unceasing prayer and fellowship, unbroken fellowship with you day by day. And Father, may we walk with you. And Lord, may we be more like Jesus in every way. May we be filled with your spirit, filled with your word, and filled with prayer so that we can live for your glory and pour out our lives for the good of others by the power of Jesus. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.